0: Thank you for traveling with Amex Platinum. To your right, you'll see Oceanside Relaxation at a fine hotel and resort property. When booked through Amex Travel, you can enjoy complimentary breakfast for 2 and 4 p.m. late checkout. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Hey, guys. Back at the playground again, huh? Yep.
1: You know what this playground could use? A wine country. Heck Yeah.
0: I heart. The volume.
1: No! Oh my God, how could he do that? Are my you on? Donate to-
0: What? Charles Darwin.
1: The nerves is where it's at.
2: Welcome everybody back into Nerd Sesh. As always, I'm Carson Brever and alongside me is Logan Camden. And today we are kickstarting our NFL prediction season. We're going to be going division by division and we are going to start with the AFC North, Logan, a division that you, of course, hold close to home. We see you there in the Bumblebee jersey. But let's start from the top. Who do you have winning the AFC North? So I've got the Cincinnati Bengals winning this
3: division. Uh, I have them going twelve and five. I don't see a lot of, uh, I don't see a lot of swing between where they're going to end up this season. I think at their ceiling they could end up thirteen and four. At their floor maybe eight and nine. And that floor is, in my opinion, absolute worst case scenario if Joe Burrow misses time too. Like this is a tough division. I think this is one of the tougher divisions in all of football. Uh, AFC North goes to war mm-hmm. every single year, man. Nothing is easy, and so. I answer where we need to start the biggest question mark for me is joe burrow he's rehabbing that calf injury but zach taylor and company says that it should not be an issue it was a non-contact injury happened in preseason very early on uh, i expect burrow to be out there for the entirety of this season and this is still one of the best wide receiving rooms in football jamar chase tyler boyd t higgins uh, they had in irv smith jr to replace hayden Hurst. they had in orlando brown jr and cody ford on the offensive line I think this is going to be an elite, elite offense once more. I mean, I think Burrow and Chase are up there for one of the best receiving duos, uh, you know, QB and wideout tandems, uh, in all of football. And I can just bank on that. The chemistry, the track record, the success. This has been one of the best aerial attacks in and out of football every single year. And they can hang with the big dogs, too, and Josh Allen and Patrick Mahomes. I think... My two biggest question marks outside of Burrow's injury. How much better will the Bengals' O-line be? Like, this was not a great offensive line last season. Jonah Williams struggled a little bit. Uh, But they, like I said, they added Orlando Brown Jr. I think he helps bolster them. I don't think he's like one of the elite, elite tackles, but he's a very good tackle. Uh, He's given up just 16 sacks in five career seasons. I think he will help Burrow out a lot up front. So honestly Carson I have no real questions about this offense I think they're going to produce produce and produce and they've been one of the most consistent teams defensively too in controlling the line of scrimmage that's what I absolutely love about Cincinnati the pressure that they can get home uh, with their front seven and it's been helped out by an elite secondary that's where my final question mark comes out they lose Jesse Bates they lose Von Bell I-, I love what they did in the draft they get DJ Turner and Jordan Battle uh they Steal them too in the second and third round. I thought DJ Turner and Jordan Battle were first round guys. I thought they would go in the 30s uh, or in the late 20s. That's my one real concern. I mean, that is an elite safety tandem Jesse Bates and Von Bell. Jesse's been one of the best in the NFL for the past few seasons. Can that secondary be great once again this year? That's my one question mark, but it's not like Cincinnati has given us any reason to doubt them. Uh, I believe in Joe Burrow, I believe in this offense. The front seven is tremendous. Like, if their safeties can just be good, I expect this team to make another deep playoff run once again this year. I just think it's one of the easiest teams to bank on being successful once again this year, barring injury. Uh, yeah, I trust I trust the Bengals a lot, man. I wanted, my Steeler bias wanted me to take the Steelers to win this division. I can't do it. I just think the Bengals are a better team. They have the best QB in this division. Uh, I think the second best QB in all of football. So, if he's healthy, I think the, Burrows, uh, I think the Bengals are a sure thing to win the
2: AFC North. They feel like as safe a team as there is, and that's the reputation that you earn after back-to-back Super Bowl and AFC Championship appearances. I have them going 11-6. and six. I actually do not have them atop this division, and I'll get into that take a little bit later. I just think there is an exceptionally talented roster, a more stacked roster even than what Cincy has in this division. But automatically, Burrow and these weapons are going to make you a very good offense. They're going to excel situationally because of Burrow. We saw it last year, 3rd in 3rd down percentage, 5th in red zone efficiency. That passing attack is going to be elite. I mean, a combination of top 3 quarterback and top 3 receiving weapons. That's just going to propel you to win a lot of games. And like you said, I really love the Orlando Brown addition. The only question, if you could even call it that, about this team might be what level the defense reaches. I fully expect it to be above average, but I could see it regressing a little bit in terms of last year It was the number six scoring defense, but in terms of yards per play allowed, it was closer to average at 14 and they did a good job of forcing turnovers, limiting red zone success. That's something that you expect from a well-coached team. Obviously Lou Anarumo did such a great job there, so they should do well situationally, but I don't know that I view them among the most talented defenses in the league I also like their front, obviously you have Trey Hendricks in there, the addition of Miles Murphy in the first round, but last year, I thought their pass rush was solid, 13th in pressure rate, just 27th in sacks, I don't view that as a dominant unit, and then like you said, I think the secondary overhaul, even though they certainly made it a priority to replenish that unit and did a good job in the draft, are you immediately getting Jesse Bates and Von Bell kind of value? I don't think so, and I think it would be very ambitious to say that that unit is going to improve. So I think it's a very good offense. Although I do think it's worth noting that, like the last couple years, right? They've made the playoff runs, but in terms of regular season offensive dominance, they still quite haven't been in that Buffalo, Kansas City tier in the regular season. And I think it's a defense that is good, but probably not great. And when you pair that with a tough schedule, like undoubtedly one of the best divisions in football, maybe the best, and out of it, as the reigning division champs, they have to go to San Francisco and play the Niners. They have to go to Kansas City and play the Chiefs. They have to host the Bills. I just think they can be a really stellar team and still go 11-6 because of all of those factors. So, I like the Bengals a lot. I think they're super safe. I'm not quite sure they are in the, like, overwhelming regular season offensive tier of the Chiefs and the Bills where those might not be the most complete elite defensive rosters but those teams just the last few years have walked into 13 wins no matter what basically and I think that frankly within their own division the Ravens are a more stacked roster I think you make some good points too
3: Carson about the secondary right the the big thing about the Cincinnati Bengals success over the past few seasons well you make a couple good points one about the Uh, them not being a great regular season team. This has been a Bengals team that over the past two seasons has repeatedly started slow, uh, out of the gates, just struggled to get out of the blocks, and they have finished really, really strong. They have not been a great regular season team. And then I think you make a really great point about the safeties and the defensive back depth. The thing about the Bengals is they are so good situationally, like you mentioned, where they can line up and diagnose stuff at the line of scrimmage on both sides of the ball. That has been a strength where... If they go quarters, like their secondary depth was immaculate with Von Bell, with Jesse Bates, with guys like Mike Hilton. Like they could match up with any wide receiving core in football, and that was a distinct advantage that they just had over any team. They could get pressure with four guys, and they had one of the best back ends in all of football. So I think we could see some regression there. That being said, though, I just have a lot of faith in Joe Burrow to lead this team over the hump, and I still have some question marks about Baltimore's offense. I think they are very talented. I just need to see it a little more before I'll buy in. That being said, I do think the Ravens are going to be a great team again this year, but the Bengals are atop my division.
2: All right, so who do you have in the two spot
3: here? I mean, come on, man. You know who I got number two. I got my Pittsburgh Steelers at number wow. two. Um, <laughs> this is the absolute apex for the Steelers. I know a lot of people are down on this team. Uh, I think the floor for this unit is about seven and ten we're not one of the most talented teams uh in football like stacked I think that there are better rosters out there but I believe in this team's coaching I believe in this team's culture and I believe in our consistency so 11 and 6 is the absolute ceiling that I see the Steelers reaching and I expect them to hit that mark it really comes down to how much Kenny Pickett improves and for you box score watchers you number viewers on pro football reference Kenny Pickett looked good do not let the numbers fool you he had seven touchdowns to nine picks. I get it. That is not a great, uh, those aren't really appealing numbers to look at, but he led four game-winning drives last season. He's one of the hardest workers in the league, and yeah, I, I believe that Pickett wants to be great, and he's going to work at getting better, and he has done a lot this offseason to improve uh, timing with his receivers. Uh, just chemistry-wise, Like he's a, I, I buy into Kenny Pickett as a real offensive and team leader. Now, I think the biggest thing for Pickett is he has to get better at making plays in structure. This is something that a friend of the show, Theo Ash, uh, liked to talk about when he did a film breakdown of Kenny Pickett. He's a really gifted improviser, and when you watch it, like Kenny's great at throwing on the run, at getting out of the pocket when stuff breaks down. It's one of my favorite traits about them. Um, you know, about uh, Big Ben could do it. And Kenny's not at that level because he's not as big he can't break sacks like that but he can move he's deadly accurate on the run he just does it a little too much he needs to get better with three step drops with five step drops with sticking in the pocket feeling the pressure but not collapsing under it stepping up and making throws because Kenny's go-to when that pressure gets home is to roll out he loves to get to the sideline that is his bread and butter He's got to get more comfortable in the pocket. That's the biggest thing to me. But we've got weapons. We've got Pat Fryermuth, one of the best red zone threats, one of the best tight ends consistently all in football. I think George Pickens is prime for a breakout season. That kid is an absolute baller. Deontay Johnson, I think, is slightly overrated now. Like, I really like DJ, man. I just don't think he's like a special, special playmaker. Like, DJ's a great underneath guy, a great slot guy, in drags, on slants. His hands are iffy, and he's just not a a big-time red zone threat. Still really good weapons, though, and I like uh, Calvin Austin III. I want to mention him. That kid has got burners. He connected with Mason Rudolph uh, on a go-route against the Buccaneers. He took back a big punt return versus Buffalo. Uh, So I think we have a guy with real game-breaking speed that we can use, too. So I like our weapons. Um, Another big question, Carson, does Najee Harris remain the bell cow back? I know a lot of people have been very critical of Najee. He had a plate in his foot for five games last season. It really stunted his explosiveness. And so I wonder if. I have never thought that Najee Harris was the issue. I thought the issue with the Steelers was the interior of their offensive line. And that to me is the next big issue that I worry about. Mason Cole has not looked good in the preseason, Mason Cole has not looked good in training camp, in game. I like Isaac Sumalo, I like the other additions we made, like Broderick Jones. I really worry about defensive tackles getting home against the Steelers' offensive line. And considering that Najee is an in-between-the-tackles kind of guy, a power back, we're going to you know alternate between him and Warren throughout the season, I worry about Najee really producing at a high level. And it's not his fault. I think Najee is a dog. I think Najee is a beast. I think he's super talented. I think it's this offensive line that has struggled. I also think that a part of our offensive struggles has been Matt Canada's playbook. Carson... Three players had passing TDs for the Steelers last season. Can you name them all?
2: Kenny Pickett. God, who else? I don't know. (laughs) Mitch
3: Trubisky and Chase Claypool. Yeah, of course. These three gentlemen combined for 11 touchdowns all season. Do you know how fucking hard it is to win nine games? After throwing 11 passing TDs, it's not easy. It is, frankly, a miracle. And so that's why I expect the Steelers to be great once again. Whatever extra we get out of the offense is icing on top of the cake. This is a team that is consistently led out by our big-time playmaking, by our defense, and the health of T.J. Watt. I'm going to throw some numbers at you guys. This is what I call the T.J. Watt effect. The Steelers led the NFL with 20 picks last season. I think that's something that when you were looking for regression, turnovers and big time swing plays like that are a big factor, right? It's hard to get 20 picks in a season. Now, some of that is to the culture, to the defensive identity, to the players. It's just something that the Steelers do. We're great at making big time plays. 20 picks is hard to do again. But as long as TJ Watt is out there, I am faith I have faith that we are going to be great. The Steelers were 1-6 without TJ Watt last season and 8-2 with him. They allowed 25 points per game without Watt to 17 with him on the floor. They had 8 sacks in 7 games without TJ to 32 sacks with TJ. We picked off 4 passes without TJ to 16 with him, and we had 5 total turnovers without TJ to 18 forced with him. That's how you win nine games when your quarterbacks have 11 touchdowns. It is a miracle that we did that last season with Najee struggles, with Matt Canada's playbook, with a rookie quarterback, but that is why I think you can bank on the Steelers to win a lot of games again this season. We can't play and win football games like that this year. Our offense has to carry their weight, but the Steelers are going to win on the back to their defense. They have two of the top 10 defenders in football with Minka and TJ. I think there's great pass rush upside with Alex Highsmith, Nate Herbig, and TJ. The run defense is going to be stout again with Larry Ogan, Joby, and Cam Hayward. And I think the secondary is prime for improvement with the addition of Patrick Peterson and Peasy Jr. The swing trait with this defense is the linebacker play. I harp on this every year. It's going to determine our ceiling. We have struggled in coverage, and it just... Uh, Uh, We've not had really fast, dynamic linebackers ever since the injury of Ryan Shazier. So, if Cole Holcomb and Alandon Roberts are above average, they have not looked good in coverage in the preseason. If they are big-time playmakers, this defense could be one of the best in the league. If not, tight ends and little slot guys are going to continue to hurt the Steelers over the middle of the field because we just have not been able to find consistent linebackers that can cover and make plays, but... I bank on the defense getting pressure, I bank on the secondary, I bank on TJ Watt being the best defensive player in all of football, and I'm banking on the offense making major strides uh, with a, an actual year of experience under Kenny Pickett, so I've got them going 11-6, and six. Uh, I believe in the Steelers culture, I believe in their identity, and I believe in their defense, so that's how they win 11 games. It's going to be a sweat, don't get me wrong, every Steelers game in NFL history has been a sweat, but... Uh, I have faith in this team, and I think a lot of people
2: are sleeping on them. I don't think you're going to be pleased with me here, Logan. Don't, don't. And here's do what I'll say I think we are sort of on the opposite sides of the range of outcomes for the Steelers. I think 11 wins is optimistic, but I can see the formula. You laid it out. Significant improvement from Kenny Pickett leads to them being maybe a slightly above average offense, and then the defense reaches really high heights again. I can see it happening and it has been so strange watching the last four years of Steelers football because there has not been a single year where they didn't significantly overachieve their talent level, right? Going eight and eight in the season where there's No Ben Roethlisberger, so it's Mason Rudolph and Duck Hodges. They have a negative point differential, but they still get to 500. Then they have like the strangest 12-4 and season ever where I do think they were sort of exposed as frauds, but nevertheless, they won 12 wins. And then the last two years, it's been very meh quarterback play and offensive production, defenses that have regressed from like the peak 2020 value, teams that are ranking in like the mid-20s in terms of point differential, and yet they are still winning nine games. I think there's just a tremendous culture there. I think Mike Tomlin is great. I think that they are able to just consistently maximize their talent level. But it feels to me like somebody in this division not even has to bottom out. It's just not all four of these teams can be good. Not all four of these teams can win nine plus games and make the playoffs. And I do view the Steelers as pretty clearly the least talented roster. So I have them with eight wins. I will also say I reserve the right to change any of these wins totals because I need to finish my entire standings, make sure the league is actually 500. Sometimes I'm a bit optimistic and I could see myself moving the Steelers down to seven just because of that same belief. The AFC North is loaded. Somebody has to get beat up on to some extent by this division. It is nice that they get to play the AFC South though because all these teams can pick up a few more free wins there, but I do think this is going to be a below average offense again, and I think it's worth noting how long they have to go to be average. Last year, they were the number 26 scoring offense. They were 25th in yards per pass attempt and yards per rush attempt, and I like Kenny Pickett. I do. I think that he will improve. I think that he projects to me as a solid starting quarterback. This year, though, I think that he is going to be in that mediocre range. I don't see year two Kenny Pickett becoming an above average NFL starting quarterback. I do agree with you that obviously the raw numbers last year don't tell the story. Like you have that three pick game versus the Jets alone where there's two of those are off the hands of his receivers. One of them is a Hail Mary. And he did obviously do a really good job of taking care of the football down the stretch. I also think some people will highlight, oh, last seven starts, he only threw one pick, right? The interception number is sort of deceptive because of that. At the same time, he only had five touchdowns in that stretch. He only averaged 206 yards per game. He, to me, is not at this stage a dynamic creator. I do really like his mobility, his ability to escape the pocket and extend plays, and he can make some of those short throws on the run. And I think his composure is solid, although I do think he can bail on some pockets a bit early. I think he is solidly accurate. Again, he doesn't make too many mistakes. But to me, he's just very clearly still in that game manager range with maybe a little bit of extra pop because of what he can do with his legs. But also, Logan, I mean, I know how much you hate Matt Canada. To me, it's like if he had the level of weapons to where I was like, okay, they are going to actively enhance him. Or if he had a brilliant offensive coordinator who I thought was going to be drawing up tons of creative stuff downfield, then I could see him being guided into that leap a bit more. But given that the situation around him hasn't really changed... I don't know how dramatic of an improvement we can expect. I just think the upside is a bit underwhelming with just sort of Matt arm strength. I like him, but I don't love him. And I do think the line is solid. I think the weapons are solid, but everybody has receiving talent in today's NFL. And to me, a core of Pickens, who I really like, Deontay, who I think I'm more aligned with you, maybe I'm not as high on as the consensus in Friarmouth, is solid. It is not game-changing. It is not elevating actively, in my opinion. And then, I do think it's worth noting that the identity of this team the last couple years has been leaning on Najee in the run game, has been that run-heavy approach, and they have leaned into that, but they haven't been an efficient rushing attack. They've been 29th and 25th in rushing efficiency the last two years. I know that... Two years ago, the line wasn't very good, right? And then last year, Najee had some injury stuff. But I don't know that I view that as a solid enough tenet of this offense to lean on to make them average or above average there. I think they've struggled to finish drives the last couple years. I think you can attribute some of that to Canada. Not the most dynamic quarterback play. So, I think there will be improvement but they're coming from a very low point offensively. And then I do expect the defense to be good, of course, right? First of all, it's the Steelers. They could probably trot out any combination of personnel and have a good defense. And I do think that TJ is an absolute weapon. I think him with, of course, Cam Hayward and an improved Highsmith, like that's a scary front. I don't think though that this is like the sort of 2020 Steelers defense that we saw. And I think part of that is that I don't like the secondary quite as much. You mentioned, of course, the addition of Pat Peterson, losing Cam Sutton, but also bringing in Joey Porter Jr. in the draft. But they were 25th in yards per pass attempt allowed last year. It's not the sort of unit that, like 2020, when you had Joe Hayden and Mike Hilton paired with this front of T.J. Watt and Stephon Tua and Bud Dupree and Hayward all together. I don't, I don't know, dude. I think this unit is just as good. Really, I, I I'm. I have faith, bro.
3: Like, I, what I've seen in the preseason, I have really liked. Like, I don't think we have the name brand value of that team because you have dogs. When you're talking about Tua, mm-hmm. when you're talking about Dupree, when you're talking about Hayden, Hilton, all those guys are beasts. But I don't think we have the name brand value. I think we have got studs, though, man. Like, I think this, do you think this is going to be a top 10 unit next year? I, I'm banking on it. Top
2: 10 overall defense? Yes. Yeah, but I think that they are going to be the back half of the top 10, as opposed to like a couple years ago, right? Where like, that was a top three pass defense across the board. That was a really good secondary, and that was a dominant pass rush. Like I said, it's the Steelers. I think they'll be good defensively, but I feel like they kind of need to be great to get this team over the hump in a division this loaded with, uh, to me, below average offensive core. And like you said, I think the linebackers are a pretty meh unit, so... I don't know. I understand that it's the Steelers and they find a way to win games that they just shouldn't. And they churn out these nine win seasons and you look at the rosters and you think, well, that's weird. Can they do that again? Maybe they could. But when I look at last year, like they beat two teams over 500 all season, one of whom was the Ravens with Tyler Huntley, not Lamar Jackson. It's just not a convincing nine and eight campaign that I look at and say, okay, well, they are a little bit more talented this year throw another win or two on top. I think that the division around them is going to be significantly better. I think the Ravens are more talented. I think if you get a full season of Lamar, I think Deshaun is going to be much better if you get a full season of him and the Browns have added more talent. It just feels to me like they are the weakest of a very strong pack. So I have them going eight and nine at the bottom of this division.
3: I hear that, and I think you hit on something else that's a big aspect of the Steelers' uh, season outcome, and that is explosive plays, period. It's not just Najee in making sure that the guard play in the interior of this line is good enough to open up him holes. That's been the biggest issue to me with the Steelers' running game of years past, and that's Pittsburgh Steelers football. You ask anybody. We play hard defense. When it's fourth and three, and we're at the 40-yard line, we punt it, and we try to pin them down in the five, and we try to get our defense <laughs> to win us games It's just how the Steelers play ball, and there is such a higher ceiling that the Steelers can reach if Matt Canada can open up some explosive plays. If that's, I'm serious. If that is just hitting one or two seam routes a game for a 30- or 40-yard connection, or if it's Najee or Warren breaking out a big run, that is something that has been completely gone in the Steelers' offense Mm -hmm. over the past three years. We are just not explosive and dynamic. All of the league's best teams, the Bengals, the Eagles, the Chiefs, the bills all of them can rattle off big plays like that and so i do think that is probably the biggest limiting factor of this team uh maybe it's Steeler bias maybe it's faith but uh i think we're gonna be over 500 again and i think uh they'll finish second but the ravens are very talented and uh they come in at number
2: three for me carson i will say just when you mentioned the explosive play element it will be interesting to see if year two pickings can really unlock that. Because I think clearly he is the mm-hmm. talent who you look to there. And Kenny was pretty accurate throwing the ball downfield. He just didn't do it a lot. And again, he doesn't have the sort of arm talent to make those next level deep throws in traffic. But I think he can place the ball if dudes are getting open. I just don't really have faith in in that element because you're right it has been basically absent from the Steelers offense as of late so give me the Ravens pitch why are they third for you there's no distance too far for the perfect trip
3: hi checking in for
2: or the perfect table
1: hey where are you coming
2: and when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card
1: hey this looks amazing I'm so glad you made it
2: and travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel, it's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex.
1: What's up? I'm John Wall. And I'm CJ Toledano, and we're starting a new podcast presented by DraftKings called Point Game. We're now joined by three-time NBA six Man of the Year,
0: Angie can even help with extremely specific projects. Just tell them what you need, and Angie will find the right solution for you. Get started at angie.com That's A N G I dot com, or download the app today.
3: This is this is such a tough div- division to predict, and I don't want anybody to feel like I'm sliding their team. Like. If you have the Browns going 12 and 5, if you have the Ravens going 12 and 5, there's a very, very wide range of outcomes I can see with the AFC North. Like, if you told me any of these teams went 6 of 11 or any of these teams went 12 and 5, I get it. Like, this is a tough division to win in. The biggest thing to me is something that you already highlighted with Baltimore Carson, and that is the highest paid man in football, Lamar Jackson, five years, $260 million. Can he stay healthy? I'm not going to bank on it. That is partially the reason why I have this team going 10-7. and seven. Uh, I think they're going to make the playoffs. I think at their absolute apex, this is a 12-13 or 13 win team. That is with a healthy Lamar. That is with a lot of improvement from the new offensive coordinator. That is with a much better receiving attack with all these weapons that they have added. And that is their defense staying elite. At their apex, I think the Baltimore Ravens could be one of the three best teams in the AFC. But I haven't seen it. Lamar hasn't finished either of the past two seasons. He's been banged up when it came to December. Now, the promising aspect of all this is Todd Munkin has reportedly said that this new offensive system, it's going to be more pass heavy, it's going to be simple, but it's also going to be more autonomous for Lamar. It's not going to be scrambling based. It's not going to be, hey Lamar, just go out and we're going to lean on you. We're going to run a read option and you're going to get carry the ball 10 times a game. That's good. That's great. Thank you, Todd. You might extend Lamar's career by five to seven years. This is what Lamar needs at this stage in his career. We, we all know the track record. I don't have to spell it out for you. You know, the Randall Cunningham, the Robert Griffin III, the Lamar with his health. Like Any of these scrambling quarterbacks that you point to that are run first, it's hard to stay healthy. Your just body is not... <laughs> quarterbacks aren't built to sustain that kind of damage. So this is great for him. And the overhaul of the receivers does change this dynamic. They add OBJ, they add Zay Flowers, they had Nelson Aguilar. I mean, damn, the, the Ravens' leading receiver last season was Demarcus Robinson with 458 receiving yards. Like, this is good, and I expect improvement. But Lamar still does like to run, and he still does like to scramble. So part of this is I do expect Lamar to miss two or three games. I, I think that's real, but offensively, I think they're going to be great. J.K. Dobbins has consistently been great. This has been one of the best... when Went healthy, at least. And this has been one of the best rushing attacks in football with a great offensive line. So, I think the Ravens are going to be above average offensively. And then defensively, I mean, they could be elite, dude. They could be elite again. Third-ranked scoring defense last year, they're fucking stacked, man. I don't know any other way to dress it up. I hate the Ravens. I hate the Ravens, dude. Every year they crush the draft... Every year they load up on defense. Every year, Jim Harbaugh, or excuse me, John Harbaugh, gets dogs, man. He just gets the best players in the draft. It is unfair that they have Patrick Queen, that they have Roquan Smith, that they have Justin Matabouke, that they have Kyle Hamilton, Adave Owe. I'm jealous. I'm jealous. I mean, the Steelers defense is great too. I think we have two of the best 10 uh, defensive players in football. This is a stacked Ravens unit. They are one of the most talented defenses in football. And I think Roquan Smith and Kyle Hamilton are primed uh, to pop as uh, just two of the best in the league at their position. So I have no questions about the Ravens' defense. To me, the discrepancy in their record solely comes down to the offensive production and Lamar Jackson's health, which I'm not fully sold on yet. Like I said, I need to see it a little more, maybe with a little more time through preseason. I might bump them up a win or two, but... I think this defense has the potential to be, again, top five next season. I think the offense has potential to be top 10. I just need Lamar to stay healthy. But the Ravens are going to be great. They're great every year.
2: I understand the health concern. I'm maybe not as worried about it as you, though, with a shift Mm -hmm. in offensive approach. I also do think it's worth noting that Lamar's never had a major injury, right? He's played a couple of fully healthy seasons and a couple of seasons where he's still played 12 games. So I do view him as a guy who's not overly injury prone, even if that has become a bit of a concern the last couple of years, but... I just think this team is obscenely talented. You can start with the defense where you mentioned it. The secondary and the linebacker core are insane. They were dominant against the run. Top three in yards per attempt allowed there. They were excellent situationally. Top five as a third down and red zone defense. And their pass rush turned out the fifth most sacks in football last year. I think it is as complete and as impressive a defense as there is. And the Ravens for the last five years, man, have just been churning out top three defenses more consistently than anybody else. So you start with that foundation, and then you add the fact that when Lamar Jackson plays, he wins 74% of his games. That right there puts you on a 12-13 to win pace. They score 27.4 points per game when Lamar plays in his career. An elite offense. Over the last two years, That offense has dropped off by 7.5 points per game when Lamar is not out there as compared to when he is playing. So it's just remarkable how much he changes the dynamics there. And this is no doubt the best group of weapons that he has ever played with. And you talk about the shift in the offensive approach in terms of making this a more pass-heavy offense. We've already seen Lamar the last two years grow as a passer, I think improve his accuracy, improve his poise, and if you take out the two starts over the last two years where he got hurt very early, he's averaged 232 passing yards per game, which is basically 40 more than his previous two seasons, which includes his MVP year, so I do think it's worth emphasizing how much he's improved that dimension of his game and his ability to carry a heavier offensive load as a passer, being paired with Adding Zay Flowers, who himself I expect to be way better than any wide receiver on last year's team, twitchy route runner, a weapon in space, OBJ, who I just believe will have an impact on the game whenever he's on the field, like that kind of speed and route running, hands like that. If he's your third target, even coming off this injury, even with injury concerns going forward... I feel good about that, especially because the depth of this receiving core is fantastic. To have Bateman, Aguilar, DuVernay as like your fourth through sixth options man, I just think it is shaping up to be a career passing season for Lamar, and then we know that run game is guaranteed to dominate with the threat that Lamar is at a, as a runner at all times with this dominant line and with the elite running back play that we have seen from healthy J.K. Dobbins. Last four years, the Ravens have been top three in rushing yards, top five in efficiency every season, and they have been number one in both in Lamar's two full seasons. So they're going to be elite offensively. They are going to be elite defensively. I am I struggle to find more talented teams anywhere in football. So even with the health concerns, even with the tough division, I just think... This team is the most talented top to bottom in the AFC. And when you pair that kind of elite roster with elite quarterback play, a guy who can totally elevate an offense, it's just tough for me to bet against that. So maybe this is one of my bolder takes. I have the Ravens going 13-4, and Logan.
3: Yeah, I can definitely see that happening with uh, full health. I do know that I think we're going to see a couple of games this year from Baltimore. We're going to see some games where they win like 40-10 to 10 and they just absolutely obliterate teams. I also think we're going to see a couple of games this year. It's just their track record where they're going to be up 20 in a game and they're going to blow the lead or something too. Yeah, I, I, I'm with you. I mean, I do think this is one of the more talented rosters in football. I, I just struggle taking them over Cincinnati because I just have so much faith in Joe Burrow. That's the one difference Mm -hmm. maker, one real difference maker to me is I just like Joe Burrow and I'm so confident in his abilities that I just can't bring myself to put Baltimore above, above Cincy.
2: I get it. But again, Lamar's won 74% of his starts. They got off to another really strong start last year. They lose three of their last four games, but of course that's not with Lamar out there. The offense takes a huge step back. And I just think This is a clearly more talented defense than Cincy. I think the weapons have gone a far way in terms of making up the gap there. I just think it's a more stacked football team. And yeah, Burrow may be better than Lamar, but they are both elite quarterbacks. And especially in a regular season context, Lamar is actually the more proven guy in terms of elevating Those, like, top-of-the-league sort of offenses. Now, I do think that because Burrow is simply a more pure, brilliant pocket passer, situationally so excellent, there's no question who I want in, like, a win-one-game-do-or-die scenario, but Lamar is a phenomenal regular season quarterback with a phenomenal roster around him.
3: That's fair, dude. And you have the biggest, uh, you have the best kicker in football, too, for when those drives stall out, man. Justin Tucker is consistently great, Mm -hmm. um, putting points on the board. I like this take, man. Yeah, it's bold. So you don't have your whole AFC mapped out yet, right? Do you think the Ravens are going to end up being, uh, are they going to be a top three seed for you? Are they going to be two? Are they going to be one? Do you know yet?
2: Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm pretty sure they're going to be my one seed.
3: Okay. I like it. I like it. Rounding out the division for me, Carson, I'm interested to see where you have them ending up is the cleveland browns Uh, again i see very a very small range of outcomes for this team i think their floor is seven and ten i think their ceiling is probably ten and seven i think they're going to go nine and eight this year so i have everybody in the afc north with a winning record i think these are all above average really good teams the biggest question mark about this team obviously everybody's talked about it does deshaun watson return to pro bowl houston texan form Last season goes 3-3 three and three with 1,102 yards, a completion percentage under 60, 7 TDs to 5 picks. You know what? I'm going to say it, man. Not pretty good for a guy that you're paying $230 million. I know. Hot take, right, guys? Uh, you'd want a little better out of that. You want your, a little more value for your money. I'm not going to dress it up. Deshaun looked horrible last season. He looked out of sync. He looked rusty, like really rusty, like I have not played a football game in a long time, kind of rusty, and... He looked shook up mentally. Right? I don't know how much the off-field stuff played into him being fully focused and locked in on the game. I don't know if a year, you know, being removed, being able to fully focus on football if that has uh you know gotten him reacclimated to the game and ready to go. What we've seen out of him in the preseason though has been encouraging. He's not doing a whole lot. Um it's it's he's comfortable moving around in the uh, pocket a little more. He's evading pressure okay. He hasn't made any crazy throws and that's what really leaves a sour taste in your mouth from last season is the fact that he was consistently missing like it's one thing about being off and not being able to deal with pressure or moving around in the pocket it's another when you're just completely off uh, accuracy wise on your passes like Deshaun was just missing wide open guys consistently he's under 200 yards per game uh, it was bad but the good news is the surroundings here are great the running game is great the offensive line is probably top three in all of football. He's got one of the most steady workhorse backs in the NFL and Nick Chubb. Chubb has five or more yards per carry or more over the last five seasons. He's got eight or more TDs in that same time span. You've got good weapons here in Joku, Moore, DPJ, Cooper. So I think the offense is going to be at least average you know regardless of what you get out of Deshaun Watson because of Nick Chubb and because of these weapons because of this offensive line Mm -hmm. if Deshaun is top 10 where I project him to be I mean the Browns offense could be top 10 in the NFL I mean if he's even close to what he was in Houston the limiting factor for me on this team though is on the defensive side of the ball and that's will they be able to stop the run I don't know I mean, they were 25th ranked uh, in rushing defense last season. They allowed 100 or more yards in 11 games. They allowed 200 or more yards in back-to-back weeks versus the Falcons and Chargers. I know you remember that. The Falcons, great rushing attack. The Chargers were the 30th ranked rushing offense last season. They only eclipsed 100 or more rushing yards in three other games. Like, that's embarrassing. The Browns consistently got obliterated on the ground. Now... To remedy that, they signed interior defensive lineman Dalvin Tomlinson. I think he should help that. I think Jim Schwartz, he was defensive coordinator of the 2017 Eagles. I think that should help. I still don't buy them as a great rushing defense, though, and that is partly why I don't see the Browns being one of the best teams in this division and best teams in the AFC. I just think they are going to struggle to stop teams on the ground, and I think it's going to come back to bite them. But we should see improvement out of the pass rush. This is a great secondary um, they added Zadarius Smith. They were bottom 10 in pressure percentage last season. That's not going to be the case this year with Miles Garrett and Zadarius Smith. He had 10 sacks last season. He's been in double digits every season where he has started 16 or more games. So that's really the only limiting factor for me, Carson. I think you can bank on the running game, on the offensive line, on the pass rush, on the secondary. The big swing factors to me are the play of Deshaun Watson and the rushing defense. I can buy in on Deshaun Watson, but I'm just not going to buy in on the rushing defense. I don't think they made enough additions. I don't think they made enough changes. Maybe a schematic overhaul will be the difference maker for them, but I need to see it first before uh, before I count on it. So the rushing defense is ultimately what I think holds the Browns from being a great team. I
2: don't expect them to improve that much on that front. I have the Browns going 10-7. and seven. And whereas I think that the Ravens can be legitimately great on both sides of the ball, I am just pretty confident that the Browns are going to be legitimately good on both sides of the ball. And that's a combination that not that many teams in football can say. So I completely agree with you. We know that the run game is going to be dominant here with Chubb and that elite O-line, but the question of whether the offense is within the average range or if it can push towards the elite range is 100% about Deshaun Watson, who just was not good last year. You touched on it. Absolutely looked rusty, but he was not particularly accurate with the football. He was not particularly aggressive or dynamic downfield. His intended air yards per attempt was down by almost two compared to his previous season as a starter. He more than doubled his interception percentage versus his previous season as a starter, despite the fact that he was less aggressive. And although he was playing behind an elite line, an elite O-line, a big improvement from what he had in Houston, he had a higher sack rate. 10.5% is a pretty high number there, which I think just spoke to the fact that he wasn't as comfortable and poised in the pocket as he was back in 2020 when I felt like he was a top five quarterback. So circumstances are tough. There is no denying that being thrust into the middle of a season in Cleveland winters, playing some tough defenses after two years of not actually getting in game action, that's about as bad of a situation as you can start off in. But I also don't know that we're going to see Deshaun going from what he was last year, a well below average starting quarterback to being like, again, 2020 Houston level. So I do think he could push top 10. I don't view him as being an elite quarterback right now, but the personnel is just really good. Great run game as a foundation, top four receiving weapons of Amari and Elijah Moore and Donovan Peoples-Jones and Njoku. It's not great, but it's, it's pretty good. It's above average. And then I do think that the defense is going to improve. I'm pretty impressed by the improvements on the front with Dalvin Tomlinson and Zadarius Smith and Okoronkwo coming in. Like with Miles Garrett, I think that's a pretty scary front. I also think we know that they have a strong group of corners adding Juan Thornhill and Rodney McLeod to the secondary. I expect that to be a pretty good unit. So I don't view this as an elite defense, but I do think it can be around a top 10 Defense. So it's just a really talented all around football team to me that doesn't have a lot of clear holes. And they are sort of like the scaled down Ravens, where I think they have a good quarterback but not a guy who I trust quite as much as Lamar. I don't view in that same tier. I think the run game will dominate, but the Baltimore run game with healthy Lamar is just like a different beast than anybody else in the league. I think their receiving weapons are good, but I actually prefer Baltimore's now with all of their improvements. And I think the defense is good, but just not quite as stacked. So if Deshaun reaches his ceiling, I think this team could be a legitimately a legitimate contender. And even if Deshaun is, is not good, I think that they are winning seven, eight games, at least because of the overall talent here, but I don't trust their quarterback play. I don't think they're quite as proven as the Bengals, as the Ravens. So I do view them as being a tier below, but I definitely think that this should be a playoff team. All right, let's move on to the AFC South, Logan, a pretty stark difference between this division and the AFC North. (laughs) Who do you have winning the South? So I know this is a
3: popular pick and people are probably sick and tired of hearing the NFL media sing their praises. I think the Jacksonville Jaguars are uh, a team prime to break out this year. And I think are for sure for for me, a lock uh, to win the division. I have them going 12 and five. I think their absolute floor is nine and eight. But I think their ceiling is fourteen and three. Carson, you had to take a couple of wow. weeks ago where you said that you think Trevor Lawrence could be a bona fide MVP candidate this year. I'm all aboard. You know, sign me up. I'm <laughs> ring the bell. Um, I think at their apex with a schedule this easy, enter division. if Trevor Lawrence takes that superstar leap to, because I know some people, man, NFL top 100 had Trevor Lawrence is like their. 14th guy you know we me and you had him number six on our uh top 10 qbs if trevor takes that top five leap and you know enters that upper echelon of great qbs this is a team that could have the best record in the afc genuinely could take home the number one seed the schedule's not that hard and trevor lawrence could bank himself an mvp and i'm all in man i said two years ago not that it was a hot take i mean i think we all thought that trevor lawrence was going to be great coming out of the draft. You know, I said T-Law was my number one guy that I want. He just checks all of your boxes physically. He's 6'6". He's a great mover of the football. He can see all these passing angles and over the offensive line because how tall he is. He's one of the best uh, guys at throwing out routes. He uh, has gotten so much better in the red zone. Like, there's just not a hole in T-Law's game. Uh, He improved so much down the stretch of last year, and he's got real weapons. Like, I think people really take for granted... Evan Ingram was legitimately good last season. Christian Kirk was awesome last season. You add in a guy like Calvin Ridley now. Oh my God. I mean, the Jags have legit weapons that I really like. You got Travis Etienne in the backfield. I think this offense is going to be phenomenal. Um, and Trevor Lawrence is going to have a breakout season. I mean, I'm expecting over 30 TDs. I'm expecting 44,000, depending on how much he runs on the ground, 4,000 to over 4,500 passing yards. I think this is the season that Trevor Lawrence takes that legitimate superstar leap. I think the big swing factor, uh, excuse me, is the defense, but they were good last year. They were great playmaking, they were fourth in pressure rate. Josh Allen was really good there. I want to see more out of Trayvon Walker. Um, And I think people kind of get a misconception about him. Trayvon was drafted to be able to bolster. The rushing defense way more over than he was supposed to be a great pass rusher but you would like to see a little more dynamism and getting to the backfield and actually putting pressure on the quarterback for number one overall pick but i think that's a swing factor for this team that they can improve if trayvon does improve that much uh with walker and allen on the outside so they were great at pressuring the quarterback they were also great at producing turnovers they were tied fourth in takeaways last season so i think this is a big time playmaking defense I think this is an offense that is primed to break out as one of the best in the league and they got a cupcake schedule. So if you like the odds, I mean I might sprinkle a little bit on the Jags to win the AFC or for T Law to take home an MVP. I'm I'm all in. Like I am I am buying uh I am buying stock on the Jaguars. If they can improve on third downs where they struggled to convert last year, if they can be just as great in the red zone, I expect them to dominate. Especially especially when the a division is this shitty. Like I <laughs> The AFC
2: South sucks, man. Yeah, I think that the Jags have a very high floor this year because I think they're clearly the most talented team in their division. It is a pretty favorable schedule overall, but there is sort of a double-edged sword to it. They get to play the AFC South. That's great, and I legitimately think they'll go 5-1 and one or maybe 6-0 and oh in the division. That's really hard to do, but God, there is a massive gap between them and the other three teams to me. And then they also get to play the NFC South, which is one of the weakest divisions in football. But they also have to play the AFC North, where, I mean, they could easily go one and three in those games. They have to play the Niners, Chiefs, and Bills because they won the division last year. So the schedule is a mixed bag, but I do think it's overall favorable. But definitely the foundation here is that I think this offensive skill position, talent, and quarterback play is stellar. I do think Lawrence takes a leap. I could easily see him being a top five quarterback this year. I think that he has a rare combination of the elite physical tools, the athleticism, the size, the arm talent, with an impressive level of composure and accuracy for a guy of his age. And not making too many mistakes throughout the air. Now, I do think that he coughed the ball up too much in terms of fumbles last year. And of course, he had the interceptions in the wild card game that he more than made up for. But overall, I think he does a pretty good job of taking care of the football through the air, given the dynamic upside of his talent as well. And the weapons around him are just really good. Like, we have seen Christian Kirk grow into his own. Evan Engram start to thrive zay jones is fine etienne's a solid receiving back but then calvin ridley being introduced to me as a legit number one receiver i mean him and kirk that is a formidable duo and i think that that overall core will help elevate t-law paired with the natural leap that you expect from a guy of this talent going into year three think about how massive the leap was from year one to year two like it's just the progression of a guy at this age I think we could see a 40-touchdown season from him. Like, that's, of course, optimistic. But I also think he is going to continue to impact the game as a runner, especially in those short-yardage situations where he's so effective if it's a designed run, if it's an RPO. I expect big things from Trevor Lawrence. And I think that that, combined with a good rushing attack, like, they were 7th in yards per attempt last year. Etienne is damn good. And I also think Tank Bigsby, who they added in the third round out of Auburn, adds an element of power, is a more effective short yardage back. He's just huge. He's great playing through contact, but he's also got good feet. Like I just think that's going to be a scary running back duo compared with a really good passing attack. So I could see it being a fringe top five offense. I think they'll finish drives better than last year when they were just 19th in red zone percentage. The only reason I don't see this being a 13-14 win team considering the things that we've talked about is that I think defensively, they're probably just above average. I think, sort of like last year, it'll be a good run unit. I think they'll be okay against the pass. They were tied second in pressures last year, and I do agree. If Trayvon Walker takes a leap as a pass rusher, a duo of like him and Josh Allen, that alone could be scary, but they didn't convert a ton of sacks last year. I don't view that as like a big strength here, so I think it's going to be a really good offense and a solid defense with a schedule that is going to give them a lot of games that they should certainly be heavily favored in, but also I think some really tough ones in which they'll probably be underdogs. They're sort of on like the opposite sides of the spectrum. There's not a lot of games where it doesn't feel like they're going to play a ton of average teams compared to the standard around the NFL this year. But I think that there's a very clear path to 10 plus wins here, given the gap between them and everybody else in this division. So I consider 12 and five, I have them at 11-6 and because I just don't think they're as proven as a legitimately elite team as probably anybody who I have in that 12-plus win range yet. But I see the upside, especially on offense.
3: I 100% get that. I will speak to the schedule a little more, too. I mean, they get the Niners after their bye week, and the Bills are traveling to London where the Jags will have already been in London from the week previous, Mm -hmm. so they're just going to spend two weeks there, so... I get those teams are very scary. Like, I mean, when you're looking at top-notch Super Bowl contenders, they are are certainly two of them. But the factors surrounding the game, I mean, I like it. You know, you're going to be well-rested heading into the Niners game. You're going to get Buffalo coming to you where you don't have to make up for that time difference. So a couple of favorable things in those games. I can't say anything about the Chiefs. That's Patrick Mahomes. I tip my cap
2: to you, T-Law. Good luck. But But I will say... They get Cincy at home, they get the Ravens at home, and they get the Chiefs at home. So you're right. I mean, there are favorable factors there, but I still don't think that they are the better team head-to-head in those matchups, which does obviously matter. (laughs) And,
3: well, that's what I'm going to bank on, too. So I don't know if I'm going to take any of them in those. I did take them in a couple of those games. I think I took them to beat uh, San Francisco, but uh, you're right.
2: I'm traditionally (laughs) going to lean on the side of who I think is a better team. And I also think it's worth noting that they're not at, like, the level of infallibility where you talk about, Mm -hmm. like, some of the great Baltimore teams that we've seen, right, when the run game is dominant, when they are just shutting down opposing drives early, they can just beat you 45-10 like it's nothing. I don't know if the Jags have that kind of proven runaway margin, and I don't know if they've demonstrated the level of consistency game to game to just mark them down as a, oh, well, they're just automatically going to beat the Colts both times. I think that they're talented enough to where they should win a significant majority of those games. But all I'm saying is 12 plus wins is a pretty elite tier. I can see it, but I'm comfortable with 11. That feels like a good number to me.
3: No, I mean, I do think that's at their absolute apex. Uh, but I'm I'm fully buying in uh, all the Jag stock I can get. A team that I am looking to offload stock on this year is the Tennessee Titans. And I have seen a wide range of outcomes from analysts. I've seen people project them to be not at the bottom of this division, not like Texans Colts bad, but six, seven wins. I've also seen people that say, oh, you guys are sleeping on the Titans. Uh, I got them at 11 or 12 wins and winning the division. Well, let me get my pillow. Let me get my blanket. Let me get my, uh,
2: your warm glass of milk.
3: Let me get my sheets i'm going to bed yeah man let me get my, get my little glasses my funny hat my pajamas your on. your snuffleupagus i'm going to bed i'm sleeping on the titans is that what that's
2: called no that's your favorite stuffed animal and do you have your lantern so in case you need to go out in the <laughs> middle of the night with your sleeping cap be there any intruders you might need to call out to? i just want to make sure you're prepared of course and i have my sleep and i have my sleepy
3: bear with me and your gown you have your nightgown right I'm sleeping on the Titans. <laughs> of course, how could I forget? I mean, how else do you guys go to sleep? I'm sleeping. I'm done. I'm going to bed. I'm I'm not I'm not I'm completely sleeping on the Titans this year. They've burnt me too many times. The Tennessee Titans to me Carson are like the Philadelphia 76ers. Uh, of the nba when i buy into the titans they sock me in the mouth and they make me eat my words when i bet on the sixers they hit me in my jaw and they make me eat my words so i'm not doing it this year i have them going eight and nine just because i think they have a really beneficial schedule being able to play the afc south and they're going to beat up on their divisional opponents but i don't think the titans are good first of all i'm really wondering if we're going to see ryan Tannehill dramatically regress he's a big component of why I'm just not buying in on the Titans. He's going to be 35 soon. We've seen him. I mean, he hasn't been like a horrible quarterback these past two seasons, but it's been noticeable. He was great four and three years ago when Derrick Henry was at his apex, when they had one of the best offensive lines in football, when they had A.J. Brown, when he could Mm -hmm. set up out of the play action. Granted, they do bring in DeAndre Hopkins. I think that matters. DeAndre Hopkins is a beast. I don't know why he went to Tennessee I don't know why anybody would want to play with Ryan Tannehill but suit yourself DeAndre um I don't think Ryan Tannehill is gonna be great I think he's gonna be below average I think we've seen steady steps back from him the last two seasons and I think a big part of that has been regression from the running game and the defensive line not Derrick Henry specifically but That's what made Ryan Tannehill great. He was the best passer out of play action in football. It's pretty easy to do when you have the best running back in football in Derrick Henry. You don't really have that luxury anymore because you lose Taylor Lewan, you lose Nate Davis, you lose Ben Jones. I think they made good replacements in Peter Skoronsky and Andre Dillard, but I don't think this is going to be one of the best rushing attacks in football. Henry is going to turn 30 at the end of this season. He's got serious tread on his tires. 23 carries per season or per game, excuse me, over the last four seasons. So I just don't really see a path to this offense being great. I think Ryan Tannehill is going to continue to take a step back and I don't think this offensive line is going to be able to carry Derrick Henry and Derrick Henry is going to be to carry this offensive line vice versa to being one of the best rushing attacks in football. And then defensively I just have some red flags. This was the number one rushing defense last season. That's something that the Titans could hold their hat on. They're great at stopping the run. I think they're going to be great there again. But I don't know if this pass rush is going to be great. They were league average last season. Uh, Harold Landry comes back from a torn ACL. Uh, he's been out since August of 2021, or excuse me, 2022. He had 12 sacks in 2021. They also had Arden Key. Um, he's been around five sacks as a depth uh, edge guy the last two seasons. So I think they would going to be average there. And then I think this secondary is kind of going to stink again. They had the 32nd ranked passing defense last season, they couldn't stop anybody. They added Sean Murphy bunting, that's cool to me. It's not like a needle mover. So, I think in a shitty division with an average schedule, this is going to be an average team. But, 8-9 and nine to me is about as good as it's going to get for the Titans. I can seize them maybe squeezing out an extra win, getting to 9-8. and eight. I don't think that is emblematic or emblematic of how good this team is. I think this team, talent-wise, is like a 6-7 to seven win team, but I think they're going to get 8 out of their schedule you're not going to do it to me again, Tennessee. You're not going to get me Mike Vrabel. I'm not buying in. I already, I, I, I'm getting ready for bed, man. I'm sleeping on the Titans, Carson, and I refuse to let them burn me again.
2: The Titans are a tricky one, man, because they do feel sort of like the Steelers, like a team that has been able to maximize their talent. And I think that Mike Vrabel does deserve a lot of credit for that. I mean, obviously the 12 win season a couple years ago was super impressive, but even getting seven wins last year, man. Like, what did they do well last year? They didn't do anything well. And I get that they're playing in the AFC South. And to be fair, like, the Colts and Texans were especially bad last year. But I don't know. I'm a little bit scared by this because of those factors. But I have them at 6-11. and 11. I just flat out do not think this is a good football team. I think it is going to be one of the worst passing attacks in the league. You mentioned Tannehill has regressed. And I see no reason that things would tick upward significantly. Now, of course, the D Hop addition does matter, but 35 year old Tannehill, he doesn't create anything. He is not among the league's best decision makers and most accurate throwers. Like, he's just not good. And this pass offense was 30th in yards, 28th in touchdowns last year. They don't have a good line in front of him anymore, as you mentioned. So, sure, injecting D Hop into this situation is going to help a bit, but. It's not a good receiving core around him. And I don't think that we're looking at the D-Hop who was a top five receiver in like that 2015 to 2019 range, right? I do think that with his injuries, with his aging, he has taken a significant step back. Still a good number one, but not a great number one. So I am really pessimistic about the passing game. And then I think it's worth noting that with Right, the significant regression of Tannehill with the just drop off in weapons that we have seen, and with the regression of this offensive line, Derrick Henry's efficiency has taken a massive hit over the last couple years. He still carries an absurd load because I mean, they just rely on him for everything, but. he's averaging 5.2 yards per carry. The last two years, he's down to 4.4. So all of a sudden, this Titans offense, that was able to have the most efficient and dominant rushing tack in the league, arguably maybe only surpassed by the Ravens that could empower a good passing game with a good O-line. Like that vision just doesn't exist to me anymore. And another near 400 touch season for Derrick Henry at 29 years old is scary. Obviously, two years ago, he missed half the season he's a beast. He's one of a kind, but I just don't think he is able to produce at his peak value at this stage either. So this was a bottom five scoring offense last year. I don't see a ton of reason to bet on significant improvement, maybe marginal improvement because of D hop, but all around, like things are not getting better in Tennessee. And if things aren't getting better, then they're generally getting worse. And You mentioned the defense. I just think it's a pretty mediocre unit. I think it's a really good defensive front with Jeffrey Simmons and Danico Autry. And it was the number one run defense last year in terms of yards per attempt. But like you said, they got torched through the air. So those things to me pretty much offset. I don't see reason to bet on real improvement there. So when I look at a team that doesn't really excel anywhere, I mean, that front is definitely the strongest unit. But even that I don't think is like elite if you're below average pretty much everywhere, I think those things can pound and you just aren't going to be a good football team. So I have them at just 6-11, and 11, and I honestly don't think there's much of a gap in terms of talent between them and the Texans and the Colts.
3: And some of their decisions over the past few years, specifically at the quarterback spot in the draft, should signal to fans and to us that Uh, This is not a team that is blind to what is going, you know, this is not an organization that is blind to what is going on around them. You have an aging running back. You have an aging quarterback. You have an offensive line that is getting dramatically overhauled. And they've invested in that position in both of the last two drafts with Malik Willis, with Will Levis. Like, you know, they see that the contending gap is closing here. So I don't know if the D-hop signing was like a last-ditch effort like Let's inject him into the team. Let's see what we got. If this is a 6-11 and season for them, Carson, if they are 7-10, and I could see a very dramatic overhaul for Tennessee oh, yeah. next season if it doesn't go right, too. And, I mean, don't forget either. I mean, they were shopping Tannehill. They were shopping Derrick Henry right. in the offseason. Like, there's the writing on the wall is there for Tennessee.
2: I think you bring up a great point. They were potentially shopping Bayard as well. So like they were on the verge of a full rebuild and they decided to go the other way. I don't think it's going to pan out. And if it does come to a point where they're like, all right, well, we're three and eight. We suck. Let's see what we have in Will Levis. I don't think Will Levis is going to be better for them winning football games this year than Ryan Tannehill. I just think he's too raw. I think he is too far to go. So I don't see a playoff path. I just think... It's not a strong defense. Like, it's not the sort of unit that's actively going to carry you. And I just think it's a bad offense, man. And it was a horrible offense last year. So, I'm definitely out on the Titans. Who do
0: you have next? This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. Is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh, my. Look at that. He is... And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win. Unbelievable. When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com
1: slash with Amex. What's up? I'm John Wall. And I'm CJ Toledano, and we're starting a new podcast presented by DraftKings called Point Game. We're now joined by three-time NBA six Man of the Year,
3: Excuse me. I think the big swing factor with this team is the play of C.J. Stroud. They're likely going to keep the offense pretty simple for Stroud. Uh, he looked a lot more composed in Week Two than Week One, running drag slants, and mm-hmm. stuff. Just you don't want to overcomplicate it for C.J. Making the transition from collegiate quarterback to rookie quarterback is one of the hardest things to do in sports. You know it's. Making that leap is is uber tough, but especially when you're expected to lead a locker room and lead a team here. Now, I think he's got a good offensive line around him. I like Laramie Tunsil. I like Shaq Mason. I like Titus Howard. The weapons are mediocre at best. Uh, Damian Pierce is nice. Devin Singletary is a nice release valve, uh, multifaceted from your bills. Uh, Can use him in the running game, can use him in the receiving game a little bit. Nico Collins, Robert Woods, Noah Brown, Dalton Schultz, new offensive coordinator Bobby Slowick. They should be all right. You know, I'm not expecting huge things and like I said, I don't think they should put a ton of weight on TJ Stroud. Like why why would you put extra pressure? You know, this is this should be like a non-pressure situation. You have good weapons, you have a good offensive line, you have should have a solid running game. There should be little no expectations. I mean, this sh- I don't expect this to be a great defense. I don't mean that you shouldn't want to win, but I don't think, you know, I don't think anybody's expecting the Texans to like make a playoff push. Or anything this year so i think you use this as a transition year for stroud keep it simple let him grow let him do his thing and uh yeah try try to simplify things for him and, and not do too much now i think shroud uh, his upside wise really good um improviser too man i like him on rollouts on getting out of the pocket throwing on the run to me that's where stroud really excels if he can get good at the things inside the pocket delivering balls downfield dealing with pressure making good decisions i think shroud has a lot of upside man because i think he's not like an improviser obviously the caliber of an allen or a mahomes or something like that but he's a good improviser that can make stuff happen on the run so obviously i think the biggest swing thing here is with stroud uh and i think he can lead them to being a, a an okay offense this year carson but i don't he's not a
2: immediate game-changing talent for me it's just it's tough to do that uh, as a rookie i like cj stroud a lot but Yeah, it's not a situation in which it's super conducive to just seamlessly leading to good NFL offense. I will also say, I do not think this is a good line. I think this is a bad line. I think it was a bad line last year. I mean, yeah, dude, preseason week one, they got absolutely eaten alive. I mean, and I do think that CJ was a bit panicked and I don't think that he was totally prepared to have that sort of NFL time in the pocket having to make decisions that quickly but I also thought that the line just straight up got dominated and he was basically running for his life because of that well I mean
3: I think I don't think it's one of the worst lines in football I think Carolinas is worse I I don't I'm not in love with Arizona's I will say that's a very good point though Stroud held on to the ball uh I think on an average of three seconds uh per snap last season at Ohio State that's not going to cut it at the NFL level, especially yeah. when this is like you said,
2: it's not an elite line. No, it's like the biggest possible adjustment that you can make, right? That's the sort of default cliche concern about dudes coming from Alabama and Ohio state is that they are playing with NFL players everywhere. Your line is elite. Your receiving talent is elite. You are going from having by far the most talent on the field, always to having, if you're a really high draft pick, generally the least talent. So I do think that's just inherently going to be an adjustment. It always is. There's not a lot of rookie quarterbacks who are good NFL starters. It's pretty darn rare, man. Even the great talents come in and they turn the ball over a ton if it's Andrew Luck, if it's Peyton Manning, right? Cam was a really high-impact rookie, but as a passer, he had a long way to... To go, it's just super rare to see a good starting quarterback as a rookie, especially if they're not in a good football situation. C.J. Stroud doesn't get to be Russell Wilson, right? And uh, lean on a great run game and, you know, have a, a great coach and all of these things going in his favor. I do think that preseason week two, he looked way better, like you said. I thought that the offense was simplified. There were tons of quick passes that he was able to hit. And I do think he is incredibly accurate. I mean, that is definitely his greatest asset as a prospect. His ball placement, his touch, super impressive. I think he's got good footwork. I think he's got good feel in the pocket. I think he's smart. I do think he is capable of extending plays and creating with his legs. I think he's going to be a good NFL quarterback. He doesn't have Anthony Richardson sort of upside necessarily, but I'm definitely confident in his floor. But yeah, when you don't have a good line, when the weapons are okay You write off the names, it'll be interesting seeing if John Mechie can have an impact coming in for what'll basically be his his rookie season. But if CJ Stroud has a good rookie year, that doesn't make him a good starting quarterback. And this team needs a lot going in their favor to make the leap from worst team in the league for most of the year to good. That being said, I do think this defense should take a real step forward. And I thought that that was a big time priority in the offseason, adding. Really proven commodities like Jimmy Ward, Denzel Perriman, Sheldon Rankins, and then of course using the third pick to get Will Anderson and adding more depth through free agency. This was basically the worst run defense in the league last year. I think that they should definitely improve there by a solid bit. I like D'Amico Ryan's coming in here as a head coach, bringing that defensive identity. But again, it's just a long way to climb, man, from the number 27 scoring offense, the number 30 defense in terms of yards allowed. So I think maybe they can get up close to that average range defensively. I would still probably have them below average. And offensively, I do still think that they'll be below average. So again, like, even within last year, they got better, right? Home stretch their last five games. They went two and three. They lost a fourth quarter lead to the Cowboys. Very good team. They lost the Chiefs in overtime. That's not crazy impressive, but for a team that started one twelve and one that's a clear sign of progress. So I think they take a step forward, but they'd have to take a big step forward to be like a legitimate, even like contender in playoff conversations. I have them winning five games this year logan how do you feel about them overall beyond just cj i think you encapsulated
3: it really well carson i think their ceiling maybe they could go seven at ten at best i mean and that is in a dream scenario where the offensive line looks great where stroud looks great where pierce looks great i think they go six and eleven i don't think this is a horrible team and i do expect defensive improvement but i think you summed it up uh perfectly it's just a really really long way to go uh, this was a poor pass rush and a poor rushing defense last season. They were dead last in rushing defense. They were bottom 10 in pressure. Now, they make a lot of moves. Uh, I expect Will Anderson to ball out. I think Derek Stingley Jr. is going to improve. They had former Pro Bowler Shaq Griffin, veteran safety Jimmy Ward, Denzel Perriman in the middle, Sheldon Rankin. So they bring in reinforcements, and I trust Amico Ryans to coach this defense and make them great. Uh, he's from the Lovey Smith tree. That's a lot of cover, too. Um, Not a lot of straight-up man-to-man. I think that's how the Texans are going to run their defense. But to hit on your point a little more, Carson, when was the last time we saw a total regime change lead to immediate success? It's rare in the NFL. It's hard. Uh, I I, I harp on this all the time when we're talking about NFL stuff, but culture really is an important thing, and and identity is a really important thing when it comes to football and leading locker rooms. And if your guy at the head of the table isn't great, You're not going to be able to get guys to rally behind you and to win games. I mean, you can think of a lot more disasters than success stories immediately out of the gates. The Jaguars with Urban Meyer, the Cardinals with Cliff Kingsbury, the Broncos with Nathaniel Hackett, the Giants with Joe Judge, the Panthers with Matt Rule. And I'm not throwing D'Amico Ryans into any of those. D'Amico Ryans had a great NFL career, was a great linebacker for the Texans, but that's the bottom end of the spectrum at the top end of the spectrum you're looking at a guy like Brian Dable or Nick Sirianni and that's winning nine games in your first year that's at the absolute apex and the Giants was a really good situation to walk into so I just don't see the kind of year to year turnaround with the Texans of a a worst of first of a, of a really dramatic turnaround just because it's it's really hard to do and the historical precedent says that it's really really rare so I think this is obviously a big process thing with the Texans. I give them two to three years. I like the direction that they're trending, but it's just not gonna happen in one off season. It's not gonna happen with a rookie quarterback. It's not gonna happen when you were so poor last year. So I think the Texans are gonna be better next season. I think we're gonna see improvement from the defense. I think we're gonna see promising things out of Stroud. But six and eleven to me is about right. I think they're gonna be they're gonna be okay.
2: Yeah, I think that five to six win range feels right. How about the Colts, who are obviously climbing from a pretty similar low? They were a shinier four and 13 versus three, 13 and one. But what do you expect from them?
3: Yeah, dude, it was a disaster uh, last season, to say the least. Obviously, the biggest blown lead in NFL history uh, against the Vikings. You have Jeff Saturday at coach, smooth move, Jim Ursay. You're awesome. Uh, one and seven under Saturday yeah it was it it was horrible last season for the Colts it was really rough but they get Anthony Richardson and look man there's going to be some growing pains right there is with any rookie quarterback he's inexperienced uh under duress under pressure you see him throw that pick against Buffalo I don't love his throwing motion it's a little weird to me the way he doesn't I don't know he doesn't bring it out and fire it it's kind of like from the it's like on the inside like from his shoulder uh it's, it's strange, but again, he's inexperienced. He played 13 games in college, man, uh, and he missed some throws. I think it's going to happen. Now, I worry about him a little bit behind this offensive line. They allowed 60 sacks last season, the second most. They were fourth in adjusted sack rate. Uh, I think Richardson will help him there because he is really evasive. He's really good at moving. There's going to be some growing pains throwing the football, but you have to love his potential. 6'4", 245 pounds, 4'4", four, four speed, rocket arm, and... I just I think this is the right direction for the Colts to choose themselves to go, uh, to, to go in this direction. He needs time to get better and to gain experience. So it's smart that you start him from week one. You see what you've got. You see if he can process the game. If he's just NFL game speed ready. Some guys are, some guys aren't. To me, Richardson looks like he is. And I don't know if it's going to translate. A lot more of that has to do with how you deal with pressure. About how you move in the pocket. About the decisions you make. But what I can tell you is that he looked really, really poised. And that, to me, is promising for what we're going to get this season. And considering where the Colts have been, they've been twiddling their thumbs at the QB spot. They hit the absolute jackpot, going from Peyton Manning to Andrew Luck. Since then, they've started nine different QBs since 2018. Luck, Brissett, Foles, Rivers, Wentz, Ellinger, Eason, Hoyer, Matt Ryan. They've been completely directionless there. So this is the right move to me. Starting Richardson from day one, banking on him, And seeing if you have a franchise QB here, uh, it's going to be rough. I don't think this is going to be a great rookie campaign. We are going to see him struggle a lot moving the ball through the air, but he needs time to get better. And I'm not going to be too critical of his play this year. He's a rookie. He
2: needs time to get better. Let's see how he grows this season. Yeah, I think that the same principle applies in terms of what we're talking about with CJ, who was definitely more pro-ready, but... A good rookie season does not equate to being a good NFL quarterback, and especially with somebody who does have so much raw talent, but so much progress needed in terms of harnessing it. And when you think about guys who came into the league with accuracy questions, but these phenomenal athletic profiles that gave them these super intriguing upsides, as rookies, We have examples in recent years. They really struggled as passers. Josh Allen completed under 53% of his passes and only took over as a starter mid-season. Lamar was another guy who under 60% completion and just was not throwing the ball very much in his starts period. So I actually thought that Anthony Richardson's accuracy was pretty solid against the Bills in preseason, but it is a concern. And his overall poise and decision-making and polish as a passer Is Definitely worth noting and I agree the mechanical inconsistency is something that does stand out and I think Should be improved upon and I thought his decision-making under pressure was just a bit concerning like that pick is is bad Man, you cannot make that throw in the NFL. I thought mostly though. He looked good I mean obviously his arm talent pops the ability to just put zip on the ball You see the potential for the deadly option game and he was mostly making good quick decisions. So I like Anthony Richardson, but it would be asking a lot for him to be even an average NFL starter this year, given the situation where he's coming from as a rookie. I think the receiving weapons are definitely below average overall. I don't love the line, and I think the run game was weak last year. They were 23rd in rushing yards, 30th in touchdowns, 23 in yards per attempt, and now with Jonathan Taylor on the physically unable to perform list, uh, they're trying to make amends in terms of... The relationship with him, but who knows if that can be worked out at all. I don't trust the run game to be a strength. So I think Anthony Richardson will actually help improve the run game a bit, but I still don't think it's going to be a good unit there. So it's a rough situation to enter. I do think, though, this team, obviously, last year it was shocking how bad they were. Like going into the year, given the talent on that team, it was expected they would be like a nine or 10 win sort of squad, and then they end up winning just four games. Part of that is how horrible situationally they were across the board offensively 29th on third downs and in the red zone defensively last in the red zone. They had the most interceptions thrown and fumbles lost So, like that sort of disastrous situational execution with a ton of turnovers. You're not going to win football games and you're going to lose football games in which you may even have more talent. I do think Shane Steichen coming in will be an improvement as a coach. And some progression in just like that sort of outlier disaster will make this team better. And I think particularly defensively, they'll be better than last year. This was expected to be a sort of top 10 defense going into that season. They were actually ninth in terms of yards per drive allowed. They were fifth in terms of yards per rushing attempt and they were average against the pass. It was just devastating uh, turnovers by the offense leading to short fields. And then it was just not being good enough situationally. Still though... I don't think this team is going to be good i do think they're going to be well below average offensively bringing in a raw rookie quarterback with mad weapons and a below average run game and i think the defense will be roughly average i do think that there's some actual regression within that unit i don't think they've made meaningful improvements to me so i have them going 5 and 12 same as the texans i think they have maybe a bit more established talent on that defense But I like the Texans' trajectory more in terms of their offseason approach, improving that defense. And I think that Stroud is a more pro-ready quarterback, definitely, than Anthony Richardson.
3: Yeah, I I, I agree with you, dear. I think Shane Steichen is going to be really beneficial to a young guy like Anthony Richardson. Uh, I think he's going to simplify stuff for him. I think he's going to draw up plays that directly help him and his skill set and to be effective in-game. But I I agree with a lot of what you said. I'm actually not as high on you as this defense. I think this is a pretty shitty defense. I think outside of the front four, I think they're going to suck. And the big thing to me is about Jonathan Taylor, man. I mean, he's their most dynamic weapon. I I don't understand what is wrong with Jim Irsay, Carson. I mean, never. Is he drunk? Like, is he drunk? Like, like, I don't... Yeah, just burn another bridge, genius. Like, I, I don't get it, man. To me, like... I would just never say that about a star back. I'm always a a team guy. A When you get asked about Jonathan Taylor, your answer should not be the world is not going to stop spinning or me or Jonathan Taylor are not involved with the Colts or whatever he said. You know, if, if, if I'm out of the NFL, if Jonathan Taylor's out of the NFL, it's not going to make a difference. No, you go to war for your guy. You say, we are fully committed to getting Jonathan Taylor paid. We are fully committed to making him our star back, even if it's bullshit. You know, you don't do that to the media, man. Think about how the Ravens handled the Lamar Jackson situation. It was perfect. Every every Ravens person that was interviewed throughout the offseason process, we are committed to Lamar. He is our QB. We want to make sure he gets paid. We want him back for next season. He is our guy. Even if it wasn't right, you stay ten toes down behind your guys because you don't want to run the risk of something like this happening where five days or excuse me, a couple weeks ago, Jonathan Taylor completely leaves training camp because of an ankle injury. Now he's leaving training camp for undisclosed reasons, which means he's not going to play. You don't do that when he can dramatically transform this offense. I think Ursay completely burnt that bridge and... I just don't like how he handled that situation, man. Even if you're not planning on paying Jonathan Taylor, just just lie, man. I mean, just we like Jonathan Taylor. He's our guy. We want him to get paid. Even if you don't mean it, you don't burn that bridge, man. You want to leave it open for him playing. You want great football players to play for your organization. It's another stain for me for Ursa, and it just kind of speaks to the organizational incompetence and the organizational struggles that we have seen this team face since Andrew Luck retired. I mean, this has been a dumpster fire since Andrew Luck retired. I don't mean that wholeheartedly, right? You have Phillip Rivers make the playoffs, but it's been a disaster. This has been a team that is supposed to be a legit contender, and they have consistently underachieved. I think that starts at the top, and the Jonathan Taylor situation is just another in the long line of mishaps by Ursay and the Colts. So I don't think they're going to be great. I also have them winning five wins this
2: season, and I consider that to be progress, sadly. It is going to be interesting to see what conclusion we reach with the whole Jonathan Taylor thing because now he is going to travel with them this week. I don't know that that means a ton. It certainly can't hurt, though. I mean, it maybe there is a solution that can be reached there. But even then, if you get, whatever, half a season of Jonathan Taylor, who I think has regressed a bit from his peak level, it's just tough for me to see a path to the Colts actually being a good football team this year and that's that's the AFC South man i think you would say about 3 of the 4 teams that it's pretty tough to see a path to them being a legitimately good football team so that's going to do it for us here today we will be back this week wrapping up our AFC predictions so going to be a whole lot of fun football season is upon us and it is great logan You and I, we love ranking stuff, we love doing trivia, but it's also awesome to have actual football coming in hot. What a beautiful time of the year it is. So, if you enjoyed this show, the good news is there's plenty more Nerd Sesh content always. You can subscribe to the Volume YouTube page to see all of our shows with video, and you can just listen to the podcast across audio platforms. You can follow us on social media, TikTok and Instagram at Nerd Sesh. You can see lots of our trivia content over there on TikTok and clips from our show across social media. Twitter is at nerd underscore sesh. You can buy some nerd sesh merch. Logan's got the hat. We both have the flags behind us. Go to the volume.com for that, or you can just click on our link tree and it'll be the top link that is anywhere in our social media bios it can also take you to our cameo if you want any personalized messages from us it can take you to our discord if you want to join there and just have sports conversations with us so check all of that out if you are interested and with that as always appreciate you guys i've been carson brebber i have been logan camden and this was nerd
0: Thank you for traveling with Amex Platinum. To your right, you'll see Oceanside Relaxation at a fine hotel and resort property. When booked through Amex Travel, you can enjoy complimentary breakfast for 2 and 4 p.m. late checkout. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Hey, guys. Back at the playground again, huh? Yep. You know what this
1: playground could use? A wine country. Heck, Yeah. And some waves, so we can go surfing. I oh, <laughs> ah, love that. A redwood forest would be cool. I'm in.
0: <laughs> ah, ski slopes. Let's
1: do it. Um, can girl go shopping? Yeah, baby!
0: Wait! Did we just invent California?
1: Discover why California is the ultimate playground at visitcalifornia.com. Tired of restless nights? At Lisa, we know good sleep is essential for mental, physical, and emotional health.